Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. All right, take your Bibles this morning. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 18. We'll be there in just a moment. I have a little more drama today than I normally have when I preach. This morning I was uh, editing my notes and I spilt coffee all over my keyboard, okay? So within six minutes, I lost the letter A, S, E, and F on the left side of my keyboard, okay? You ever tried to spell Jesus without the S and the E? You know, so, but... But just be calmed. I still have Z, X, and Q. They all work. They're all good. So this morning I've created a brand new alphanumeric language that's in my in my notes here. So I, I hope I can get through it here. So it's all. I have no idea what some of these words mean. So I tried. So uh, Gospel of John chapter 18. We've been going through the Gospel of John. We just have a few more weeks uh, before we end reading the story of Jesus. The best way you get to know about Jesus is reading the Gospels, and the Gospel of John is just one of the best, one of the best ways to do it. At the end of the Gospel of John, he concludes in John chapter 20, he said, But these things, this whole Gospel is written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he said, I want to tell you a story, but it's not just so that you'll know the historical facts about Jesus. I want you to know about him because I want him to be your Lord and your Messiah. So we've been working our way through the Gospel of John. Now last week, last week, or, and over the past few weeks, we've been at, the, at Gethsemane. Okay, We are in the very last week of Jesus' life. Okay, It's the last week that he will ever live. It is Thursday night. Early Friday morning, within about 12 to 15 hours, he will be dead. Okay, he'll be dead. Now, to kind of tell this story through John 18, I'm going to pull from some of the different versions of this just to kind of give some fullness to it. So we're going to start reading at John 18, and I'm going to read this entire section, just this first part, and then we'll go back and we'll work our way through it. So John 18 one, they're, he's through praying, you know, and, and uh, they're in the garden. So when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples, crossed the Kidron Valley, and on the other side there was a, a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden guiding a detachment of soldiers, uh, some officials from the chief priest and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen, went out, happened to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, the traitor, standing there with them, uh, when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Wouldn't you like to see that? Wouldn't that have been funny? Uh, again, he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. 
Jesus answered, I told you, I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servants, uh, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Judas is looking for Jesus. He's already agreed to this betrayal. He lives in a day that there's no GPS, there's no find your iPhone. So as he's bringing this detachment, which could mean between 150 and 300 Roman soldiers to capture Jesus, Judas is thinking, man, where could I find him? Where would he be? But if you saw in the passage, Jesus went there often to pray. So he goes to this garden where Jesus prayed on a regular basis. What a testimony. People want to find you. Where do they find you? Social media or your prayer closet? Where do they find you today? All right? So they're they're asking, who is Jesus? Where is Jesus? And he does not hide. He does not hide. Let me just be honest. I'd be behind a tree, okay? They'd be dragging me out behind a rock. They're looking for him. He does not hide at all. On two occasions, he says, I am he. Are you look, who are you looking for? Here I am. And I just want to remind you, at this moment, he willingly walks into his execution, He's not running from it. We talked last week that Jesus was thanking God for his glorification. Okay, that was the term that he used. But actually, it's a brutal murder that's about to occur. And Jesus willingly walks in to his execution. At this point in Jesus' life, he knows it is God's will for him to die for the sins of the world. And he's facing it. He's not running from it. He's walking into it. He's walking into it willingly. So look at this whole scene. All right. Do you know people who can take a bad situation and make it worse? Don't put any names in the comments, please. This is Peter. Peter always kind of had this tendency to speak first, speak boldly, with confidence, kind of pop off in the moment. You know, and this, this is a quality that, that probably served him well over his life. He was, a, he was a fisherman. That was his business. It wasn't a hobby. This was his business. This is how he made his living was fishing. But not only fishing, he was a salesperson as well. Because once you get the fish to the shore, then you got to sell at the highest price. So this kind of this quality, this kind of aggressiveness in his personality, this kind of explosiveness when it comes to him speaking and speaking, speaking quickly, you know, was just, it was just part of who he is and what he was. And we see glimpses of that, you know, like when Jesus was washing their feet. Remember Jesus, Peter said, you won't wash my feet. Remember that? Remember when Jesus said, you know, Peter said, man, I'll die with you. I'll die with you. I'll go anywhere and I'll die with you. Jesus said, no. Before morning, you're going to deny me. He was always just kind of had this kind of kind of aggressive component uh, to, to his life. Things that kind of start small, 
And then they kind of escalate when you, 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 you got this kind of component in, in your life. So I, I have a question. If you already have this tendency of explosiveness in your personality, then, then the wrong circumstance can set you off and you'll make a poor decision. Excuse me, it wasn't a question, it's a statement. All right, so if you've already kind of got this edge to you, does that sound familiar to any of you? You always kind of speak first. You got to speak. You speak boldly. You speak with confidence. Whether you are confident, you know, of, uh, of, of what you're saying at all, you know, so you've already got this. Man, it can, you can work yourself into, into greater danger. So here's Peter. He's got this aggressiveness, but he's also got a sword nearby. And this empowered him to make a very poor decision, okay? Because what we learn here is an explosive personality and a machete don't go together, right? They don't. It'll just cause you a problem. It'll cause you a problem. So in this moment, this, this kind of natural personality, it's always kind of served him well, this kind of, this kind of type A, now with his sword nearby, pops off and he, and he cuts an innocent bystander. He cuts off his, he cuts off his ear. He wounds him. It's reckless. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe we would have had some understanding if he lunged for Judas. But you know, he, he doesn't. He's just, he's angry, he's upset, and he's just hurting anybody that's close to him. Do you know anybody like that? All right. So do you find yourself hurting others and having to apologize on a regular basis? Is that you? Do you constantly kind of have to go behind yourself and apologize and say I'm sorry and I, I, shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have done that? Are you, are you that person that you, you find yourself having to backtrack a lot and kind of cover over, cover over what you've done? He hurt this kid. Jesus rebuked him. Jesus said, put the sword down. All right? And then also, if you'll just think about it, in this moment, he committed a violent crime. Okay? He, he ran from the Romans, probably because he wanted to hide from Jesus, but also he committed a violent act that he could have been, he could have been put in jail. James says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. doesn't say that there aren't circumstances out there that won't make you angry. But when there's quick anger, look what happens. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Okay? So he says, be slow. Think these things through. He had kind of a hothead tendency uh, combined with a sword that was very close, and he made a very poor mistake. I want to say to you this morning, we don't have to live hostage to our emotions. Galatians chapter 5 calls it, you know, the, the fruit of self-control. It's self-control. It means there may be times that I do get upset. There may be times that I am justifiably angered by what I see, but I don't have to pop off and wound people because I've got God's Spirit working in my heart. All right? All right? All right. So we're in the garden. Had this episode with Peter and the, and the servant. And as we go through John 18... There are two different scenes. There's one that's Peter's denial, and there's the others, uh, Jesus' appearance before Pilate. And in the narrative, they kind of bounce back and forth. 
But I'm going to, I just pulled all the verses about Peter together and the ones about Pilate together just for a little clarity. So if you'll grant me that latitude, I would, I would appreciate that. So I'm going to read Peter's denial. I'm going to read the kind of the whole thing and then we're going to work our way through that. So Simon Peter and another disciple, John self-referencing himself in verse 15, were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest He went with Jesus into the high priest courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. So it was probably kind of a courtyard that kind of had an entry door. So now that Peter gets in. Um... You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and the officials stood around the fire that they had made to keep warm. Peter was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing there, and they they asked him, You're not one of the disciples too, are you? He denied it. He said, I am not. One of the high priest's servants A relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off challenged him. Didn't I see see, uh, you with him in the garden? Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. So he comes into the courtyard and here's just a servant girl. You know, a young girl. She doesn't say anything accusatory. She's just asking, are you with him? I am not. Just this definitive denial. He denies him a second time. And then the relative, remember the young man who got his ear cut off in the previous scene? The relative of that man, he's standing there, you know? Listen, listen to me. Sometimes God can forgive you of things, but there are always consequences of our behavior, okay? So what got him? What got him? Because there was a relative in the garden that said, no, I saw you. I saw I saw what you did, all right? And then, and then he said, didn't I see you with him with a garden? A Peter denied it, and at that moment, the rooster began to crow, all right? So I want to ask you a question. I'm ask you a question. <clears throat> Is there anything in your life today that reminds you of something unpleasant in your past? Is there anything in your life today that reminds you of something pleasant, unpleasant in your past. So I'll just give a little illustration. When I was in my early 20s, I was preaching, been asked to preach at a church across town. It's about an hour away, Athens Assembly. I drive over there one Sunday night. But the pastor, the pastor said, hey, I know you got a long drive afterwards. Why don't we eat dinner before church? Now, I never eat before church. I don't eat breakfast on Sunday morning. I don't eat on Wednesday night. I just don't. But, you know, let's go eat. So I go meet him at the Mexican restaurant. Okay, that's where he wanted to go eat. You don't even know what I'm going to say yet. (laughs) So I order, you know, all, all this, and it's got with it, It's got guacamole, okay? So I'm just visiting. I'm just eating. I didn't really even know what guacamole was at that point. You know, I'm just eating and visiting. And 
We get through with dinner. I like I never eat before I preach, especially like heavy. Okay, so I mean I get to the church. It's about fifteen minutes till, and I start feeling bad. Okay, like I mean, I'm sweating. You know, like I'm feeling a little nauseous. You know, I'm just I'm like oh man, I'm I'm in bad shape. I'm in bad shape. So we we get service starts. <clears throat> Back, back when everybody sat on the stage, I'm on the stage, man, I'm sweating, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling bad, so we're singing when the roll is called up yonder, and uh, I, I just said, hey, I, I'm not feeling well, I need, to, I need to step off the stage. I go to the bathroom and vomit, okay? It is like a Guinness World Book of Record, can I just say that, all right? I'm in a suit, which it's a whole different, you know, version, you know, you know, how you position yourself when you're a suit. I mean, I'm I'm sick. Okay. I go, I do my stuff, and I go back to the stage. I'm I'm in bad shape. I'm in bad shape. I tell them, like, hey, I'm I'm really, really sick. Is that guacamole? Man, it was terrible. It was a bad avocado. It ought to be on a banned list of substances somewhere. And so I just I I'm they're singing again, and man, I don't even have time to tell him. I run to the side again. They thought revival was happening. I ran to the bathroom. I threw up again. Man, I'm, I'm sick. I'm shaking. I'm sweating. I, I'm nauseous, and I go tell him. I'm like, hey, I, I, don't, think I, can, I don't think I can go. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm sick. And he said, hey, brother, God will be with you, Okay. Well, God was not with me, okay? He was not. I, I preached something about David. I have no idea. I had a handkerchief, you know, that you kind of wipe sweat. I was using it to keep up the fact that I was heaving up there in the pulpit. You know, he was trying to help me. He went and put a glass of water on the pulpit. But you know when you're nauseous, like anything can set you off? He put that water up there. I thought, this is just going to end bad, okay? It's going to end bad. All right, so... So, to this day, when I think of guacamole, I get sick. I've never had it. If it touches my food, I'm digging around it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have it at all. Because to this day, when I think about it, it just gets in my head and it makes me just, I just get ill. Now, this afternoon... I'm having lunch with the Nestor Noda Connect Group at El Jalisco, okay? Now, I know what they're going to do this afternoon. I know. But I've already pre-warned you of what my reaction is going to be, and you better bring a tarp. That's all I'm saying. So I ask you a question. Do you have something today that reminds you of something unpleasant in the past? Jesus had told Peter the day before, when, by the time the rooster crows, you're going to deny him three times. And when that rooster crowed, again, Peter's greatest failure had occurred. In the rest of his life, anytime he saw a rooster, anytime he heard a rooster, it took him back to his failure. Now, I imagine the rest of Peter's life, he was late for everything because he killed every rooster that was around his house. 
So I want to ask you, do you have something today, a name that comes to your mind and it takes you back to a failure? The rest of his life, he had to battle the, the impact of that rooster. That rooster always reminded him of his failure. You got something like that in your life? Maybe there's a person when you hear their name. Maybe there's a situation or a date or a certain city that you, you, know, that you think about. And when, when you do, you just feel the, the air come out of your lungs, your countenance just, you know, you, you just get sad because of that, you know, because of that reminder of your failure. Okay? You got any kind of triggers like that? Because some cannot separate their previous failures, you know, from how they view themselves today. They can't separate themselves. It takes them, it takes them back to that, to that really bad place. And sometimes when you're in that really bad place, it keeps you from doing new things that God wants to do in your life. All right? The rest of his life, he had to battle this rooster, which would be very common in his culture. It would be very common. So, so over the course of our lives, we have to kind of battle these reminders of failure. They're all, you know, they're all out there. You know, they're all out there in our life. And we, we've got to, you know, we, we, we see them all the time. And, and then there are times that we will miss good opportunities and God opportunities just because of that, that continual failure, that continual reminder of failure in their past. All right? I want to tell you, I don't know that the memory of that ever leaves you. Forgiveness doesn't mean that God pulls that out of our heart. But that memory can also remind us of God's grace that works in our lives. I'm not the person that I'm used to be. I'm not identified individually as, my, as the failure that I am. It was an act that God has forgiven, and I've moved on, and I'm a new person. Sometimes we let that failure define who we are. It internalizes to us. The rest of his life, he had to battle that. We'll talk about that in just, in just a second. So another question in this passage. How did Judas and Peter handle their different failures? How did Judas and Peter handle their different failures? So Judas had betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, okay? But the scripture says, you know, that after they arrested Jesus, Judas had a change of heart. He, he, it says he seized with remorse. Seized with remorse. Like, he's overwhelmed. He realizes what he's done. I mean, he's, he's broken, he takes the 30 pieces of silver and he goes back to the people wanting to kind of trade back for Jesus. Here's the 30 pieces of, of silver. And he says, hey, I've sinned. I've sinned. Here, this man is innocent. So he's got this remorse. He's trying to do the right thing. He's taking the money back. He's acknowledged that he's sinned. That Jesus is, in, is innocent, and then they don't take the money. He throws the money at them. And then in the very last sentence, it says he goes out and hangs himself. See, he did the right thing. Listen to me. Because there's some people that think, 
I've done so much against God that he could never forgive me. And that was Judas. He did. <laughs> He's taken the right steps. He's taken the right steps, trying, trying to undo. He's praying. He's forgiving. He's asking for forgiveness, acknowledge that he sinned. You know, Judas in the scripture, his betrayal was prophesied, but not his death. All through the Old Testament, it said, here's the guy, you know, in some through the New Testament, here's the guy who's going to betray him. But his death never was. Because that didn't have to be a part of Judas' plan. See, some of you can never move on. You may not be considering physical suicide, but man, you think you've done so much, you've gone so far that there is not another chapter for you and you just live perpetually in your failure, okay? We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. Look how Peter, look how Peter handled his. Peter failed, but then he moved beyond his failure. Peter had a terrible Terrible experience. Three denials. And, and then I think it's in Luke. On that third denial, he's looking Jesus face to face. Jesus is seeing him and it says, Peter begins to cry. He's, he's so broken at what he did. Terrible failure. Terrible betrayal of someone that was so close to him. And then he just kind of goes off to scene. You don't see him anymore at the cross anything like that, but the next time you see him is on Easter Sunday. So it means at some point over the next couple of days, Peter knew he blew it, but he went back and he knocked on the door with the disciples. And I don't know what that kind of meeting was like, you know. I don't know what that was like, but he, 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 he made some, you know, uh, built, built back those relationships. He's in the room. And then by Easter Sunday, by Easter Sunday, he's back with them. He's racing to the tomb to see that Jesus is alive. Because so, he moved beyond his failure. He, he had it. It was just as bad. Judas was terrible. But Judas said, there is no answer for what I've done. And Peter, Peter's was, was terrible as well. But he said, you know what? I've heard about forgiveness. I've heard about grace. I'm going to walk into this. Man, he's racing to the tomb to see that Jesus is resurrected. Fifty days later, he stands there on the day of Pentecost. He's one of the first ones baptized with the Holy Spirit. And man, you know, when, when, did, uh, uh, when they gave that sermon in Acts chapter 2, who's the one that preaches it? It's Peter. Because he moved on. He moved on. He didn't let it define him. I just want to say to you this morning, I don't care what's in your past. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. The grace of God is sufficient for any sin that you have committed. The blood of Jesus is sufficient for any sin that you have committed. You don't have to live your life in perpetual despair because of what you've done and you think you've gone too far. There is hope through the power of the cross. There is forgiveness through the power of Jesus. There is a second chapter for your life if you'll give Him that opportunity. Thank you, Lord. So when you mess up, it's all good because God's got this. If you'll lean into him, ask his forgiveness, and just do what Peter did. I'm, I'm, I failed. I failed terribly. Where's the disciples? I'm going back. I'm going back. I'll, I'll work it out. 
I'm not going to live here in my failure. You see, when, when we're forgiven, God's writing our story. He's writing our story. Hebrews calls him the author of our faith. He's the author. He uses a narrative term. He's writing this story, this beautiful story of your life. And sometimes our story, <clears throat> the author has to write some new things in, but he's always in control. And there's a beauty that can come out of your life even through failure. You think it's over. You think it's, it's too far gone. You think for the rest of your life you will be identified as your fail, with, with your failures. And I'm just telling you, the author of your faith is writing a beautiful story with your failure all woven in that and God's grace. It'll point to God's grace. Last part of this. Last part of this. Jesus' encounter with Pilate. Okay? Now, Pilate had served as the governor of Rome in Palestine for 10 years, okay? So he's a military guy, and this is a military occupation. This is not a great assignment for, for, for Pilate or for anyone that would have this job. It's a military occupation amidst of high taxes. They taxed the Jewish people so that they could pay for their, their worldwide com conquest. They were always concerned about political uprising, Jewish people that were trying to overthrow the Roman government. He had to keep his eye on all of that. So the Sanhedrin, they, they bring Jesus to Pilate early on a Friday morning. Okay, they've arrested him, and they bring him to Pilate early on a Friday morning. Okay, uh, They said because he had blasphemed, you know, uh, and these are the Jewish leaders there. And they wanted to execute him, but they couldn't do it because they were under military occupation. If anyone was going to execute him, it had to be the Roman government. So they are, they are doing legal due process and taking this kind of religious dispute. They're taking it to, uh, to Pilate. Okay, now we're going to read out of verse 28. But I want you to notice two things as we walk through this passage. Okay, do you notice, I just want you to watch this, do you notice any moral inconsistency in the Jewish leaders? And what do you notice about Pilate's response? So as we read this, I want you to, to, to think about this, all right? So the Jewish leaders, they took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now, it was early in the morning, and to avoid the ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover, so Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, uh, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we, uh, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate says, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they, they objected. They took, uh, this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he's going to die. So... Any kind of, any, anything catch your attention about the Jewish leaders there? All right, so they don't want to go in the palace because they don't want to be considered unclean for the Passover, okay? But yet they're having conversations about executing an innocent man. See how blind spots can set in sometimes? <laughs> there are things, you know, in our own life that, you know, here, here they're, they're worried about being clean for the Sabbath, but yet they're plotting to kill someone, and they think that they're good before God. They can't see their own, their own kind of iniquity in that, the, the, their, their own, you know, just uh, hypocrisy there. Jesus dealt with that when he said, hey, 
before you worry about the speck of dust in someone else's eye, why don't you worry about the plank that is in your own eye, okay? So I just saw that as we were reading, reading through it. They're worried about the Passover, but yet they don't mind conversations about killing others. And then, and then Pilate, Pilate, just watch him. He just keeps trying to move Jesus around. He's just trying to find, you know, some, some, kind, of, some kind of answer. So let's, let, let's look at verse 33. Pilate, so he's talking to him publicly. Then Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and privately he says, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? I'm a Jew, Pilate replied, and your own people, the chief priests, have handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to, pre- to prevent my arrest from the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate said. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king? In fact, the reason that I was born and, and came into the world to testify to the truth, everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. Now, at this point in the other Gospels, if you remember the story, Pilate's wife sends him a message and says, do not execute this innocent man. Don't do it. Another version here, Pilate sends, sends Jesus to Herod, and they go back and forth with Jesus. Verse 38, what is truth, Pilate, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews that are gathered there and said, I find no basis for charges against him. But it's your custom for me to release one prisoner to you at a time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Wow. So his whole life, this whole episode, Pilate is trying to move. He doesn't want to really deal with, with who Jesus is or, or what he's doing. He's letting you guys settle it to the Jews. He sends him to Herod. You, you settle it over here. He goes back over here. Hey, do you, I, we, we can free him. You know, just you want him or, or Barabbas, but he's, he's trying to talk, talk to Jesus. Are you really the king of the Jews? Are you really who you say that you are? And Jesus says that I am. He has this gospel witness but then the last thing you see is Pilate just kind of walk out if you remember the scene he washes his hands like you know like I'm I'm done with the responsibility here wow worship team you can come he's always trying to move around never really wanted to deal with the person of Jesus he just thought he could ignore him and that's what people do today. They don't want to deal with, with this individual and the implications of his life. I'm going to use a term here. We use the term sin, okay? I'm going to use a different term to describe it. I'm going to call it the cancer of the soul. The cancer of the soul. Because if there's ever a word that gets anybody's attention, it is cancer, Okay? When, when you get that diagnosis, you don't, you don't just ignore it. You don't just try to pass it on. When the doctor gives you that diagnosis, 
immediately there's action. And I just want to tell you, sin is the cancer of the soul. It's the cancer of the soul. And if you just sit there and don't do anything, it just gets worse and worse in your life. Okay, It's the cancer of the soul. Some people just, you know, when it comes to Jesus, they just want to kind of ignore and move on. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, you got this terrible spiritual disease. And there's only one answer to it. And that's the person of Jesus. And some people, they, they're eaten up with the cancer of the soul. But they don't want to deal with the only true remedy for iniquity. And that's the person of Jesus. Like Pilate. I'll just move on. I won't go to church because I don't have to think about it. And you're right. You can take yourself far from the message but it does nothing to help with the cancer of the soul. You still got it. It's getting worse. And ultimately, if there's not a remedy, when you die, you die lost without Christ. Okay? Pilate trying to push him here, push him there, everything but dealing with, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, I am. So we decide we're not going to come to church or have a connection with church or we're going to live a life that, you know, separates ourselves so we don't really, you know, have exposure to the message. And you can do that. But it doesn't change your condition with the cancer of the soul. Okay? Because at some point in your life, you got to answer the question, who is Jesus and what does he mean to you? Pilate was just trying to avoid it. Let me just get out of here. I'm a little uncomfortable, okay? I'll just I'll wash my hands of it all. And you can try to do that. You can try to run from people of faith. You can try to run from, you know, different things in your life, the, the, the access to the message of the gospel. But still, you have to answer, how are you going to deal with the cancer of the soul? And I want to tell you, the only way is through the person of Jesus. We see this story here, and next week you're going to see about his terrible execution, okay? I told you at the very beginning, he walked willingly into God's will that he die for the sins of the world, okay? That means all of our failure can be washed away. We'll always remember it, but the times that we've displeased God, the times that we've sinned, when we feel like there's no true answer for our life, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, through the person of Jesus, he can forgive you, he can cleanse you, he can heal your heart, and he be can begin the restoration of your life. You're not just perpetually lost in the decisions of your past, but there is a new chapter, there is something new that he wants to do in your life if you'll give him that chance, if you'll give him that opportunity. And I can only speak for myself, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So in a moment, worship team's going to come. We're going to pray for those. Maybe you kind of have an explosive temper. 
Maybe you're kind of the one that has to go back and find yourself asking forgiveness all the time. Maybe you've got some failure in your life. Maybe you've kind of handled it like Judas, like there's no answer for me outside of suicide. There's just no answer. It's just too bad, you know. Maybe you've kind of been like Pilate, trying to get rid of Jesus in your life, but he keeps reappearing. And I want to tell you, he'll keep reappearing, all right? But the greatest thing he can do for you this morning, man, he can forgive you, and you can start a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everyone, just bow your heads for just a moment this morning. Just bow your heads. Just across the building, just say, hey, pastor. Hey, man, God just spoke to my heart this morning. I just, I need a change in some areas of my life. Just really quick, just raise your hand up and down. Say, Pastor, would you just pray for me this morning? Just need some changes over my life. I need to maybe renew some faith. I need to start back over. I need to walk out of some failure. Failure's been defining me. I'm missing opportunities because of failure. I'm missing the next chapter of what God wants to do in my life because of failure. Pray for me this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, I pray this morning. I pray. I pray for those that uh, it seems like failure has been their anchor. They're always attached to certain things in their past, haven't been able to move on. This morning, I pray for the wonderful grace of God. Lord, I pray that they'll be reminded today that their failure is not the last chapter written. That word is grace. And I pray. I pray for those walking in failure, Lord. I pray. I pray, God, they'll, they'll leave that behind, shake that off, be like Peter. Move on. Move on as you write a new chapter in their life. I pray for those that are away from you this morning, walked away from you, haven't been close to you, kind of drifted this morning. Lord, I pray you'll draw them back this morning. Maybe they were like Pilate, keep moving you out of the way, but you keep reappearing. Lord, I pray for those. I pray for them this morning. I pray for those that are away from you. Lord, I pray they'll come back into faith this morning. Lord, I pray you'll touch their heart. Touch their heart, Lord. Hear their prayer even now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.